dropped off the prettiest little girl Same grade as me Tried to kiss her once in the aisle of the bus She walked From right to over to me studios in Hernando, Mississippi Rooster Production brings you Under the Water Tower Presented by Team Couch of Birch Realty Group And now, here are your hosts Matt Crane and Derek Biglane Morning, Matt. Morning, Derek. Well, Matt, I know you had a busy weekend this past weekend. Um, had a big trip that you had planned, talked about on Friday. Tell us a little bit about how that went. Derek, it was a road trip weekend, my friend. Left out early Saturday morning. Uh, we talked about it on our podcast on the show last Friday. The music from the, our, our last show was uh, Sweet Home Alabama to start. And then Dixieland Delight uh, finished the show. So, uh, obviously, uh, took a trip over to Tuscaloosa for the uh, Ole Miss Rebel football game. Uh, just had an absolute blast. Wilson had a great time. You know, we joke around. Uh, you and I do off-air all the time. Wilson pretty much knows where, what school he's going to. But uh, from a, a fun standpoint, he definitely <laughs> paid attention to how much fun it is, um, you know, when your team wins about 98% of their games. Yeah, I mean, of course, you know, if Wilson wanted to wait another four or five years, we, you know, Saban's getting up there in age. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see once Saban's gone if that can if that can remain the case. Yeah, exactly. He, that's a that's a good point. Wilson doesn't graduate for a few years or whatever, but just had a really good time over at the game. Uh, obviously, uh, did not go well. Um, no, it did not did go not well. Did not go well, uh, but just had a blast. The people around us were very nice. We sat uh, in a good section. Uh, the, as soon as we sat down, the lady said, that, you know, welcome to Tuscaloosa, and we visited with her for quite a while. It was just a lot of fun. Very nice stadium, very clean. Mm-hmm. You and I talked on air the other day about the sorority houses being so close to the stadium, and uh, they are huge, and they are very <laughs> yeah. big. And they're right there. They're right there. I mean, if you if you are a FAMU and yeah. or a, what Kappa or whatever that is right there by the gates, I mean – you almost can't beat it. I mean, it's just really, really nice. We yeah, had I think a, it's called the Circle. It's like Tridel, FIMU, and one of the ones we do not have at Ole Miss. Um, and I'm, I'm drawing a blank right 80, now. This three 80 right there. power or something? 80 power maybe? Uh, not, eh, something like that, yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, they're, they're all three right yep. there. Yep. Uh, then the other ones, you kind of turn the corner, go down, and the other ones, they're whatever direction it is from the stadium by another block. But, yeah, those three are, are very nicely situated. Yeah, and like I said, the stadium is very clean. Uh, it's large. Um, it's kind of got a little bit of a professional feel, Derek. I mean, now that you know, once you get in there, it's kind of got. Well, I mean, no coincidence that the best, <laughs> you know, the uh, the basically the only pro team in the SEC. In well, the, Matt, they've been the, paying players for a while, so that, that, you can, that you can allegedly comment. that is allegedly. Alleged. Derek Big Lane said that. Make sure you said that. Derek Big Lane said that uh, has no affiliation with the UTW podcast. Opinions, <laughs> how that goes, whatever. Fun time. Then we left. Uh, I mean, obviously, we left pretty quickly after the game was over. Raced over to Brandon, Mississippi. Spent the night uh, there in a hotel and then won two soccer matches on Sunday. So I uh, really had a good time. And I, I know we're going to learn more, more about your weekend in just a moment when we talk about your word from the weekend. And uh, we'll talk a little bit more about my stuff as well uh, for the word from the weekend. But before we get there, I want to recognize our 2021 presenting sponsor who did text us during the game uh, from a standpoint of uh, this is not going well. Oh, so yeah. um, so <laughs> yeah. he, he was watching the same game we were watching <laughs> for sure. Team Couch of Birch Realty Group possesses over 65 years of combined real estate experience They are the number one real estate team for over a decade when it comes to residential real estate in DeSoto County. With over 25,000 closings since 2009, no team in DeSoto County has more experience when it comes to helping families buy or sell residential real estate. They are full-time, full-service realtors, which means they are available anytime you need them. 
They're currently offering a free, no-obligation market analysis. They simply need your address. Give them your address. They will tell you what's going on in your neighborhood, what's going on in your zip code, how long houses are staying listed, how long until they sell, how long until they close. Brian and Terry and their team at Team Couch or Birch Realty Group can give you all that information. You definitely want as much information as possible before you buy or sell a home in this really, really hot DeSoto County market. Give Brian and Terry a call at 662-449-1700 or call Brian's cell phone, 901-461-7653. That's 901-461-SOLD, S-O-L-D. Again, they are full-time, full-service realtors, which means they do nothing but serve their clients, serve their clients morning, noon, and night. You can learn more about them at teamcouch.com. That's teamcouch.com. Again, their phone number is 662-449-1700. Brian and Terry, we thank you for being our 2021 presenting sponsors. Derek, all up and down the road, all up and down the main drag there in Tuscaloosa, barbecue trailers, cooking trailers, left and right, all over the place. And just a really, really neat scene to see all the tailgate and all the different stuff going on, huge grillers and stuff like that. Really made me start to think about Malcolm Reed and the How to Barbecue Right Shop, our 2021 studio sponsor. How to Barbecue Right Shop is located right here in Hernando. This store has everything a person needs for barbecue, crawfish, and all of the kinds of outdoor cooking. Rubs, sauces, thermometers, cast iron, cutting boards, knives, or really cool high-end smokers. If you're in search of anything when it comes to barbecue, Malcolm's Shop is your place. If you've ever seen his How to Barbecue Right cooking videos, you need to stop by his shop today. You can call him at 912-9947. That's 912-9947. Find information on Facebook at H2Q Malcolm's Shop. Look at his website, How to BBQ Right. That's How to BBQ Right.com. But the best thing to do is to stop by the How to Barbecue Right Shop located right here under the water tower at 496 Whitfield Drive, right here in Hernando. Thank you, Malcolm Rochelle, for being our 2021 studio sponsor. Well, podcast listeners, just a simple uh, behind the scenes. We are recording this show on Monday afternoon, late Monday afternoon, and then we're going to record our Friday show on late Thursday afternoon because we've got homecoming going on this weekend. Hernando High School has homecoming going on, and the North Point Trojans will be playing this coming Thursday night. We need to make that change just because we're busy. So our Tuesdays and Friday shows will be recorded on Monday and Thursday. We thought it was the best thing to be honest with you guys. Before we preview the first Alderman meeting for the city of Hernando, what's your word from the weekend? A word for the weekend, Matt, from this past weekend is nostalgia. Uh, nostalgia is the word, and that's basically based on what, what I did. You had a great, you know, busy Saturday, and I did too for different reasons. Uh, you were out on the road, and I was I was stuck at home. Uh, as most people know, it rained uh, basically from about 4 a.m. all the way to about 4 p.m. Uh, it's steady till at least noon or 1 o'clock, then off and on from about 1 to 4. It did stop at 4, and I'll, I'll say all that to say that we had a birthday party planned for my daughter Saturday night. Allie Big Lane. Uh, yes, her Allie 15th Big Lane. birthday. And she uh, had invited a lot of her classmates over. We were going to have it at my house, uh, at our house, and they were going to. She, she basically just hit reply all. I mean, she, she hit basically, reply yes. <laughs> and, and unfortunately, a lot of them said, you know what, we don't have anything better to do on a Saturday night as freshmen than to come to Allie Big Lane's house. And so we had a, a large group of kids coming over. It's pouring down rain. You know, the whole party is going to be outside. In no way did I want that many kids coming in the house. Sure. 
And so we had, you know, cornhole set up. We had the this another kind of little toss game set up. We had the driveway cleared off, ready for basketball. We had uh, football to throw around in the yard, all this stuff. Everything's going to be outside, a couple of bonfires, fire pits. What time did it start? Uh, it started at 6.30, ended at 9.30. And so we had to make the call, and we kept looking at it and said, Allie, this is terrible. You know, my yard's going to be torn up. Um, there's some liability issues with the wetness of the yard. I mean, like, I don't know if I want to do this, want to do this. She was adamant. We looked at the dates on what we have coming up every week in between now and Thanksgiving, and it did not look good. Uh, as you said, we were busy. And so you know, and this next weekend would have been the best one, but that's fall break, so they probably would have lost at least half of the kids that could come. So we talked about it. I felt bad for her, and we decided to go ahead and have it. So about 3.30 or 4 is when we could really start getting set up because, again, you couldn't put anything outside. We threw a couple of tents up, put everything out there. And the weather cleared. The weather cleared. We had the party. And so the nostalgia part comes just seeing 15-year-olds hang out with each other. Sure. Now, you know, they're at school. I see them at football games. But, you know, maybe she'll have a couple girls over to spend the night, or she has in the past. But you don't ever get to see the boys and girls, you know, interact together. And I will say, when you actually put them in a yard and they're not, you know, there's not, it was not a dance at all. So there wasn't, you know, lining the walls, trying to figure things out. They actually did sort of kind of group together. But basically, what happened, the girls would sit on the porch and the guys would basically kill each other in the yard playing football. And that's basically how, now there was a couple couples, you know, the kind of sitting in lawn chairs together, but that was mainly how it went. And I was just thinking about to, you know, my freshman year. And what I would have been doing at 15 years old at somebody's house, Matt, we've mentioned this before, it is a different generation. It is. Different. <laughs> so basically the 15-year-old birthday party was very similar to what the 6-year-old birthday party would have been. Kids, uh, girls over there, boys killing each other in the yard playing football. Yeah, just a, a lot bigger. They exactly. ate a lot more food. Yes. Um, they basically wiped all the drinks that we could possibly That's I actually great. had to make a drink run, which is fantastic. Podcast listeners, Derek is typically in charge of drinks for like, say, you know, the Mardi Gras <laughs> ball. And so like you always have to make a drink run because uh, well, you never go ahead and get the right amount well here, here's the thing like i would rather be have to go make a run well, now, i'm not saying when they were down to the last one i mean I, they still had plenty left to go but i was like all right look we got an hour left we got this many left i gotta go because i don't want to be left with a hundred drink i mean that, what am i gonna do with them you're just gonna give them to me well you i don't drink so. cokes and diet cokes. <laughs> exactly uh but anyway so that worked out and again but just looking and just thinking back and remembering back to my freshman year what i was doing and it's just a different completely different time and i know we say that all the time and we know about technology but it's not even technology it's just how they interact um it's what they're thinking about and doing uh what they you know just kind of how their social order goes and it's just very very interesting to sit back and you know lisa and i were the chaperones we're out on the porch kind of walking amongst them basically the whole time we don't want anybody to sneak away do anything damage anybody else's property they were great kids we had no issues so i'm not saying they did but just to look back and to kind of reminisce about what that time was like and i hope ali i mean i know she appreciated it but i hope she remembers that but it's just a completely different memory for me man when i'm watching that kind of stuff and uh so again mine's nostalgia just kind of remembering back from to my freshman year comparing it with my daughters are you mainly just saying from a Thinking back, uh, your 15-year-old age group, your group of friends at Cathedral High School, Natchez, Mississippi, you're saying y'all probably would have been a little bit more mischievous yes. when it was all said. Well, and also, let's, let's be, it, I'll be honest, when I was driving when I was 15, our right, license sure. were 15. We didn't come home. like We weren't going to hang out at our house at 15. We were going to go somewhere in our car to celebrate our birthday. That's right, because yeah. we had our license. Now, they, they have to wait until they're 16. Yeah. So that's uh, one difference, which I guess is it has to happen because of the age gap now or the one-year difference of getting licenses. But... That was uh, just very interesting. I just kind of think about, you know, comparing the years. Well, well and plus, Allie's, Allie's friends are going to come from three states, 27 zip codes. 
<laughs> I think that was pretty good. Allie Big Lane, happy 15th birthday. Definitely uh, a good thing, a fun thing uh, for you know your parents. Remember that memory, uh, your parents putting together a 15th birthday. Because, again, Derek, once you turn 16, uh, she's probably going to be grabbing that license and saying, peace out, yeah, mom she and dad. Will be, she will yeah. be leaving the house at 16, right. yes. And that kind of goes right into my word from the weekend. My word from the weekend is going to be memory. I just mentioned to you all to spend – Two days in the car with my son uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, you know, we we, we stayed. I, I joke around with Heather Derek. We we stayed at a hotel that was perfectly fine for for you know Wilson and myself, but my my wife and daughters would not have stayed there. <laughs> I'll just say that it was uh, you know kind of close to the field and was not a two far. two star a two star. It would be a two star. Okay, it's gonna okay. be a two star. It was perfectly fine for us. We enjoyed it. Nice AC. TV was good. Man, we were passed out by ten o'clock that night. We were just done. So it was perfect because it was so close to the field for Sunday. So it was really convenient to. Uh, travel and everything like that but just you know a memory that's going to be my word is going to be memory because wilson hugged me a couple times told me how much fun he had and that was with alabama winning 35 to nothing so um <laughs> it kind of coincidentally she he actually saw a young lady from uh, north point that your son knows uh and i think they stood together in the concession stand line or something like that's that cool. yeah so see I, I he starts waving at somebody i'm like man who are you waving at he's dead. so it was a girl over uh, from north point uh was at the game as well so she got to see the same uh you know uh, butt kicking that we Wilson did for sure. Actually, he was gone for the entire third quarter, so he missed the entire thing third quarter. But we got to see Dixieland Delight. If you don't know what they did at Alabama when it comes to Dixieland Delight, go research it, go YouTube it. Yeah, we will not mention that. We will not mention that. But Wilson did pull it up as we were traveling over and learned all the words. Learned what they said. Oh, Bo, Bo has known them. Exactly. And, so uh, so yeah. just go check yeah. it out. But uh, he so he really couldn't wait for that. He was excited to to hear that. So they definitely did that. Um, the beginning of the song now, Derek, is uh, for the first three or four stanzas before they get to the words is, is now really just going to uh, – I will say this. The Alabama student section um, let the current president know what they think about him um, oh, yeah. for the yeah. uh, before Dixieland Delight really kicks in. So <laughs> you can figure that out as well, uh, what that looks like. But that's our words from the weekend. Derek's his nostalgia. Mine is memory. So kind of based off the same stuff, spending time with our kids because, as I mentioned, uh, it seems to fly right by. Like you said, at 16 years old, she's going to be like, Derek, uh, Dad, hand me the keys. And yeah, she'll, she'll that, be gone right. for sure. Well, Derek, like we said a, a moment ago, we're going to go ahead and preview the Alderman meeting. The first Alderman meeting for the month of September will be happening later on tonight. We are recording this on Monday. Uh, but Derek, um, since our last show, the Board of Aldermen, City of Hernando Board of Aldermen, actually had a special meeting on Friday. Tell us about that meeting. Two aldermen called a special meeting on Thursday night. This is something that they're allowed to do. This, they did it by law. They're allowed to call a special meeting. Uh, they gave notice. Uh, they sent it out, called it for the next morning, Friday at 930. Uh, the purpose of that meeting was to uh, have a discussion over the parks director, parks director Dwayne Williams, and to kind of talk about his status of employment. And this was already scheduled to be on the agenda for tonight. It was scheduled. It was already shown, uh, or going to be shown on under the personnel, under the executive session. I would say parks personnel, uh, but they decided to move it up, and they did it for several reasons. Um, I think that they knew that it was going to be contentious uh, at the meeting. I think they had heard from several people who were coming from both sides to speak for and against Dwayne, and you know, so they that was a lot of time there. And, and again, there were people that came out and spoke for Dwayne uh, about a month ago right. uh, when they. Uh, talked about it and there was a motion made to let him go but it was not seconded and so they they knew that was going to come along with people maybe they were hearing more from people that were going to come to oppose Dwayne keeping his job and so there was a lot of just issues and they wanted to avoid uh, kind of the three ring circles around that also Matt Friday was the beginning of the city's year 
October 1st is the beginning of the city's year. So I think they also wanted it to coincide. Hey, you know, if, if this is something and we vote to do this, we want to go ahead and have him out before the year starts, right? I mean, you know, it's the beginning of the, uh, of the morning. We can go ahead and start the year off with a, a you know, a new parks director. Now, obviously, you're not going to hire somebody the same day that you fire somebody, but they can go ahead and have it out there. And so they're not starting a year with somebody that, you know, they didn't want to, uh, th- this current board did not want to be in the parks director. So they met. Uh, the uh, meeting I heard lasted about 45 minutes. I, I was not there. I did not have a timer on it. Of course, all information that is said in an executive session is private. Um, it is somebody does record information, but it is private. Uh, the only thing that you know from that uh, is what the count of the vote was. Uh, the vote was six to one. It was six to one uh, to let uh, Dwayne Williams go uh, with the one dissenting vote being Andrew Miller. Uh, he voted to keep Dwayne. Uh, all, the, uh, all the other six voted to uh, have Dwayne, uh, you know, let go from his position. Now, I want to just kind of talk about some of the things. I know that some people, uh, you know, adamant on Facebook, uh, you never want to see a man lose his job. And so I think a lot of people that were maybe going to oppose Dwayne keeping his job don't, you know, you don't want to go take take to social media and and beat somebody down, especially once they've been fired. And so you didn't see a lot of that. You did see a lot of people who were questioning why he had been fired. And so some of the things that were, you know, people coming out for Dwayne, uh, they were talking about how, you know, he was the first full-time director that there were three city parks when he started there were no city run sports programs obviously it has grown if you start at zero anything from that is growth so he's grown it you know tremendously from there uh there were over 20 plus programs you know really i guess larger programs that the city has including soccer adult kickball softball of course baseball and softball had already been here but they were being run by private organizations before but Dwayne started um senior classes that he's added to the gale centers cookies with santa uh recognition for movie nights grants programs and stuff like that and so i mean he's he has done a lot we start from ground zero uh with you know the mayor hiring him the mayor's having the vision for the parks Dwayne kind of seen it through of course you're going to grow I know him personally he's a very good Christian man uh, who has a, a Christian outreach that he does uh, he also uh, preaches uh, and so I know he leads Sunday school classes so he is he does have a good Christian outlook on life and I do appreciate that um, some of the people that were you know coming out against Dwayne and I think some of the reasons that uh, you know you heard uh, why he probably should be let go and and again this is nothing from the alderman no alderman has reached out and said any of these things to me. I'm not saying that. Uh, this was stuff that w- that was heard on the campaign trail that people had come in here and said that. I mean, we interviewed everybody. Every, every one of them, yes. Every one of them talked about you know making changes in the parks department. So they were hearing it on the campaign trail. Uh, some of the stuff that's been said over the last three or four years uh, as to some of the complaints. And I think what uh, you know some of those that we heard were that you know the larger parks programs have gr- seemed to grow stagnant that we were losing kids to Carville, to Olive Branch, to South Haven for soccer, baseball, and softball. And I think you say, well, you know, well, that's because of the fields. Not necessarily. Uh, I do think that maybe the older ones go for the fields. Obviously, uh, competitive baseball is different from rec, and some kids who think they may have a future uh, in a sport may want to get private training, may want to be on travel teams. And, you know, rec cannot really compete with that, but that's that's any rec program. You know, you see the South Haven's Olive Branch is still being able to maintain those rec kids. And, yes, they have very nice facilities. Facilities, but I think if you had a, a, you know, what they're saying was, is well, we need to work on the facilities, yes, but also what they consider is somebody just kind of better overseeing uh, that and, and maybe getting to root issues and talking with those parents and doing that. So that was one of the issues that that you heard on the, that was said on the campaign trail. Another one was the failure for the first time around for the pennies for the parks. 
we've heard that several uh, of the um, current boards saying that they're really going to look at pennies for the parks again. I do think that what you heard from the last time from the pennies for the parks where, you know, there was poor planning, uh, there was poor marketing, uh, there was no budget set, nothing really to say how much is it, what are we going to get. I think they, a lot of that comes to rest on the park director's head that people said, you know, as a parks director, that that is your job to do that. And maybe that people were upset at that. And so with this board wanting to do that, they may want to look at, you know, having somebody in there that they want to, you know, push that forward. Uh, they were also, you know, there were people that were upset with past personnel issues that weren't dealt with uh, as they thought that they should be. Um, there were, you know, disappointment by parents and coaches sometimes saying that the park director was not always out at tournaments at uh you know opening of such things as the soccer field or different tournaments i think the soccer's had two large tournaments maybe he wasn't there for that so i think that again these were on the the i guess the con side against Dwayne keeping his job and want to reiterate the current aldermen have not reached out and said this to us this is just stuff that has been said that we were heard on the campaign trail that that were mentioned you know as some of the the speaks uh when people came in here campaigning uh with us on the utw podcast so again it's, man, it's a tough thing because you have somebody that's given 16 years of their life to the city born and raised here uh, went to high school here, and so you, somebody that loves the city and loved his job, but it's the board's, you know, it's at their discretion to fire and hire anybody. Correct. It's an at-will state, and I, it should not come as a surprise. Now, they, they have their reasons. They didn't give their reasons, but when a turnover happens, this is not unusual. I mean, they— Turn, uh, Turnover of a board. Turnover of a board, yeah. right? So, I mean, if it, when a new president comes in, whether it be the same party or a different party— People are cha- they, they, they're sure. going to pick a new cabinet. Yep. They're going to put people that they want to see in there. They're, whatever kind of vision they have for that department. Yep. When they, whether it be it could be a Republican replacing a Republican or a Democrat obviously replacing a Republican. It could be uh, a governor. Same thing. When a governor comes in, if you know they, they may replace in, in Mississippi, they may replace the MDA director. They may replace you know the Department of Human Health Services. They may replace MDOT. Like they have. Areas that you can say, I know I want my guy in there. I want, I want my the woman in there. I want to see overrun this position. So, I think there is that that's not unusual. And then of course with this board, a city, it's the same thing. Now we have a weak mayor, strong board type of government. So the mayor, you know, in the other uh, cases I just mentioned, it was the governor and the president making the changes. Well, with our you know the system of government, Hernando, the board makes those decisions, and so they can hire and fire, and so. All they're doing is replacing people that they want to see whatever, you know, they heard that Parks was weak. Well, we don't try to get somebody else in there to try to do that, right? And I'm not saying it was. That's just, that's what they heard. That's what they said. That's what they decided. And again, they've already replaced the city clerk. They've already replaced the city attorney. They've already let go of the building inspector and currently looking for one. And now they decided to go a different directions with the uh, Parks director. And you hate to see somebody lose their job, but as a city employee, you know that could happen when sure. when a change in leadership, and in this case, board leadership, a majority board leadership comes into play, that it could be that they decide to go a different direction, and that may cost you your job. Again, that's that's what happened on Friday. I know people were upset that they didn't get to uh, protest, that they didn't get to uh, say their piece. I wouldn't be surprised when we, you know, we're going to talk about the Alderman meeting in just a moment. If you don't see people come and protest after the fact um and, and you know and that will be based on what the mayor allows to be said correct and in, in the public meeting how much time he gives people how many people he gives he may just say you know what that's in the past sure. you know uh, <clears throat> we may let one or two speak for three but he may not say, you know what that's it's over right well uh, there, there'll be no time allotted for that because again they do have a lot of business it's a three-page agenda uh, and so, you know, they, they may not want to be sitting there all night and listening to people when I, I don't think anything's going to change their mind. 
it was a six to one vote. It's obvious it's yeah. not going to change their mind. Yeah, it's, you're right. So, but I, I, what we want to say from the UTW podcast is that you know we we want to thank Dwayne for his 16 years in public service. You know, uh, this is uh, of the three that have been let go. Uh, four, excuse me, four now that have been let go. Uh, I knew probably the city attorney and Dwayne the best. I uh, hate to see both of them go, uh, but I mean, I I do appreciate the love Dwayne had for his job. I do know that, you know, they probably had talked to Dwayne because the other ones, you know, two of them resigned. One of them was fired. Now, Dwayne was fired, but I, I would imagine that at some point they reached out to Dwayne and I mean, said, hey, man, this is coming. Would you like to resign? That, those type of conversations I'm sure were had. He chose not to him because he loved it. He loved his job. Then they decided to fire him, though, based on the fact that he didn't. And so we just want to say from the UTW podcast, thank you for his you know, years of public service and to wish him luck in his continued Christian outreach. And, you know, basically what's next on the horizon for him. So I'm, you know, I'm really excited. He's a, uh, he's a dedicated man. And so I'd like to, you know, looking forward to seeing what he does next. This is absolutely, uh, Derek, like you mentioned, on the campaign trail, the, the aldermen have mentioned this. All the, the aldermen that we sat across from interviewed, you interviewed, I interviewed, whatever. Parks was on there. Our parks department has not been run perfectly, which we're not asking for, for, for perfection. It was one or one. It was number one or two or three on the list every single time. And this new board, uh, some people were, you know, de- some aldermen were defeated. Some aldermen were replaced by, by, because they didn't run again. Those type things, resignations or retirements, all that kind of stuff. This is not surprising with a new board. It's no, not surprising it's not. the new board to come in and say, look. This is the direction we're going to go. This is the way we feel about things. And that's exactly their right to do it. And and that's what's happened. I mean, that's just what's happened. They've come in uh, and aggressively began a direction for the city uh, that, um, you know, their constituents, it seems like, uh, won't. You know, you and I have, uh, I mean, you know, some some groups that you and I are in, whether it be Friends of Fernando Soccer or Friends of Fernando Baseball or different men's groups that we've dealt with, the parks and so forth. Uh, you know what, man? It just... They're moving forward. They're going a different direction. That's an opportunity for them to uh, kind of move into a new direction, and that's the direction they're going. But, you know, based off of 16, 17 years, Derek, you're in banking. I own a business or a couple of different businesses, and if there's parts of our um, business or parts of our company that are uh, getting a bit stagnant or the complaints are maybe kind of piling up, if we're not paying attention to them, we're not going to be in business long, which I know the government is not business, but when it's all said and done, when you're talking to people about uh, different things with baseball fields and soccer stuff and so forth and not really getting many answers or things are kind of starting to pile up, you know, the board said, hey, we're going to move forward, and that's the right to do that. So I'm looking forward to the future. I'm excited about the next step for the uh, Parks Department, whatever that may look like. Uh, as you mentioned, we may be looking at two of the next two or three years, some type of a fundraising campaign for the city, uh, for that, that, that direction for the parks. Um, and I, I'm, I'm excited about it, ready to go. I am too. So we'll see what it leads and you know, kind of what the next chapter for Hernando Sports holds. That's exactly right, Derek. On to the next chapter for sure. But uh, let's preview tonight's Alder meeting. We're going to fly past the consent agenda. But Derek, what are, what are small things do we have going on tonight? Uh, I do want to mention one thing out of the consent agenda, and that's to authorize uh, to issue a $100 check for each winner of the Water Tower 10K top male and top female finisher from Hernando. In honor of Wendy Myers and Scott Fernandez, the two winners will be issued a winner certificate and will be issue their checks after race day. So again, if you this is something that we're going to preview uh, on our Friday show. Uh, one last time to sign up uh, this Saturday is the Water Tower 10K. If you are the first male or the first female to finish the race, regardless of age group, you will receive a $100 check. The next thing on the agenda is the Planning Commission uh, has one issue, I mean, excuse me, there's one item from the Planning Commission on the agenda, and that is the appeal of the denial 
by the Planning Commission of a request for a zoning ordinance buffer yard variance to allow construction of a new self-storage facility providing a 10-foot-wide buffer along the west property line adjoining the city's Renaissance Park rather than the required 30-foot. So uh, the mini storage that is being built next to Renaissance Park, next to the dog park right there at the, uh, and where the little walking trail goes around, they're asking to only have a 10-foot buffer from that park rather than a 30-foot buffer. Now, this did go to the Planning Commission last month. It was denied by the Planning Commission unanimously, uh, but the developer has appealed to the city to ask for this, so we shall see you know, if that appeal is met um, or if that appeal is overturned. I don't know if with the unanimous decision from the Planning Commission, uh, I know there's been some pretty strong talk about this, you know, whether kind of precedence that this may set with the new board. Be interesting to see what this conversation is. I'll be paying attention to that tonight uh, at the Alderman meeting. Next is the uh, authorized to proclaim October 7th uh, this year, 2021, as Hernando Rotary Day. Matt is the 85th anniversary of the Hernando Rotary Club. Oh, we'll be celebrating that at our meeting on Wednesday at noon. Um, the next uh, on the agenda to look at, skip down, is to accept the lowest bid, lowest the best bid, excuse me, for motor scooter drive Old Highway 51, either asphalt or concrete. Now, this is a road that is extremely damaged. If you've driven past the old the post office in Nesbitt going north on that little side road that connects back to 51, that is Motor Scooter Drive, and it has you know monstrous potholes. Uh, obviously, that's the industrial, the Nesbitt Industrial Park, or, or one of them. Um, there's a lot of large trucks that use that as a cut through going to 51 or coming from 51 to get to the interstate. So it's really torn up that road. And so they're looking at, okay, well, the asphalt bid came in at 204000 Concrete bid came in at 614000 Now, you're like, well, okay, that's easy to do asphalt. But concrete obviously lasts a lot longer. Correct. And when you know that there's cement trucks, when you know that there's you know 18 wheelers going up and down this road constantly every day for the next however many years, that you know maybe that it's cheaper to go ahead and spend an extra $400,000 now. They'll make that decision tonight. Finally, under the regular part of the agenda is a discussion of upgrading the 8-inch water line on Green Tea Road to a 12-inch line. They asked for the engineer to bring more studies, better understand the dollar and the differences and, and what could be done. And if that's something the city want to do, they may actually vote on it tonight. Now, it does say discussion, but we found out from the new city attorney that discussion, you can still vote. And so they may look to vote on that tonight based on what they hear, if it makes sense for them to go ahead and replace some of that 8-inch line that the developer of the, of the field house is doing uh, with the city adding the difference for the 12-inch line and how that can be done. Because, again, the city cannot write a private company a check how that could be done legally because it might be the, the best decision for the city to make. Finally, there is an executive session item that was supposed to be the parks you know, director or parks personnel discussion uh, that was moved the last Friday that we just talked about. Uh, it now says police personnel. Uh, says police personnel. We'll, so we'll see if there's anything that comes out of. Again, it will maybe the who made the motion. It may be if there's any kind of votes of anything. That all, the only thing that has to come out of that, if there's anything coming out of that meeting, we will let you know on Friday. Derek, some people, you know, via Facebook, that type of stuff, social media, are mentioning executive session. They're asking questions about it, that what happened last Friday was uh, sneaky and so forth. Executive session is used just about every two weeks. Yes. To be able to discuss personnel matters, uh, be able to discuss a number of different things, you know, clo on a, in a closed meeting compared to dozens or hundreds uh, of people standing right there in front of you. So it's nothing sneaky or whatever. It's not a new thing that a, a board can use. Right. And again, nobody can make public comment in an executive session. Correct. So, I mean, you, yes, it did rob them of their right to protest, to come speak. But, it, but the mayor could have limited any 
speaking at all. I mean, that that's you know that it's the right of the mayor to you know, give the floor how, you know, or, or to regulate how many people can speak and how long they can speak for. Uh, I will say, Matt, sitting on the board for the First Regional Library, that we have executive sessions a lot more than the city does. Uh, we've had several times we've had directors who have left us in you know in the middle of a term. We had to meet quickly uh, to decide who's going to make decisions or who's going to be you know signing checks and that sort of thing until we hire a new one. Uh, we've had some. Uh, emergency personnel issues on different branch managers that we've had to been called in for. Uh, and, that, and that just happens. Uh, again, it is, it's not for public knowledge. It usually with personnel matters. I think the one thing, Matt, we didn't talk about that we probably want to critique on this is that the board is learning. If they wanted to get rid of the parks uh, director at the beginning of the term in July or August, they should have done this first. And I think what, what came out of this, I think what you heard the mayor say uh, in, in, some of his public comments have said, hey, look, from now on, we're going to be doing this. Any kind of personnel matters, firings, things of that nature that are, are, are controversial, we're going to do it in an executive session. Because, uh, and mostly firings. Of course, hirings usually hit the sheet. You see them on there. You see how much their salaries are. Because it is you know, taxpayer money paying that. But on a firing, you're probably more than likely always going to see it now happen in an executive session just to avoid things like this. Um, and, and it has in the past. We've always done it for the boards I have sat on, and so this should be commonplace going forward. Thank you to the Board of Aldermen for doing the city business tonight. Thank you to the mayor for running the meeting, city clerk, city attorney, all those people that have to be there, especially thank you to G. Matheny and Nestor. We appreciate the YouTube channel being better than ever, Derek. I mean, if there's a better city YouTube channel with multiple cameras and, and audio working correctly and stuff like that, I'd like to see it. But really, really good job by the city for doing that. We thank you so much, G. and Nestor, for beginning to do that. Derek, speaking of a positive thing under the water tower, the Soto Family Dental Care has been a presence under the water tower with over six. 60 years of combined dental experience. Doctors Seymour, Paroli, and Trotter are committed to providing a gentle and caring approach while focusing on the aesthetic beauty and long-lasting health of your smile. The practice is open Monday through Friday, providing hygiene appointments, general dentistry, implants, implant-supported dentures, and now Invisalign. DFDC makes use of modern technology such as digital scanning, intraoral cameras, digital x-rays, and autoclave sterilization. An in-house lab allows your dentist to be fully involved in the lab process and the end result. You can be confident that the goal of each staff member is to create a comfortable environment to provide you with a relaxing, personalized dental care. You can call them at 429-5239. That's 429-5239 to set up your appointment today. Visit them now to see the DFDC difference. Since 2001, Green King Spray Services has been helping home and business owners enjoy lush, healthy, weed-free outdoor living spaces. They refuse to settle for the status quo, continuously researching and testing the very latest methods, products, and strategies to ensure that your lawn looks better than the other guys. With technicians trained and educated with hours of continuing education and seminars each year, Green King is committed to doing everything they can to make and keep you satisfied. You can reach them at 662-892-8419, again 662-892-8419, or visit them on their website at greenkingspray.com. Remember, if you want it green, call the king. I want to say thank you to this gentleman uh, I'm about to mention for being a longtime sponsor, but also Derek for uh, using mobile car and van rental for a little bit of a fender bender he had recently. Mm. So going to be using a pickup truck from mobile car and van rentals, which we'll discuss in a minute. Thank you to Richard Williams. Williams Services is a veteran-owned and operated business with years of experience in lawn care, landscaping, mulching, and more. Owner Richard Williams and his team can assist you with a multitude of outdoor home needs. 
Whether it's leaf removal, tree trimming, fall cleanups, gate repair, fence repair, land grading, anything you can think of outside your home or commercial property, Richard can help. No job too small, no job too large. Give him a call today at 662-292-8855. That's 662-292-8855. Or find more information about Richard and his team on Facebook at Williams Lawn Services. Again, that's Williams Lawn Services on Facebook. Thank you again, Richard, for being a longtime partner of the UTW Podcast. If you're interested in advertising with the UTW Podcast, give us an email under the water tower info. That's under the water tower info at gmail.com for a special advertising packet we have going on right now. Give us an email under the water tower info at gmail.com. We'd love to reach out, learn more about your business and partner possibly with the UTW podcast. Well, Derek, speaking of a great local partner, let's visit about the DeSoto County Fact of the Week brought to us each and every Tuesday show by the DeSoto County Museum located directly across from Bank Corp South on Commerce Street. Admission is free Tuesday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. That's 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Tuesday through Saturday. Completely free admission. Rob Long and his team would love to show you all around the DeSoto County Museum and the wonderful exhibits that they have each and every week. Derek, this week's Fact of the Week is what? He heard us talking about on our podcast, the new high school, and it got him reminiscent about what happened to the old high school. Not the old high school, not being the one they currently attend, but the old high school being the one that now that used to sit where the county offices sit today. On August 12th, 1994, burned to the ground. Wow. Okay. I know this is a reoccurring theme, Hernando. We, uh, we're on our fourth courthouse. <laughs> uh, we lost the uh, high school. It was built in 1946. Uh, it was burned down again August twelfth of nineteen ninety four. Matt, it was uh, it was arson. Um, they were they found they, they had already moved into the new high school. They right? moved in the new house. I believe it was nineteen ninety. Okay. So I think that uh, my wife uh, right. she graduated. She was the first graduating class that had spent all four years in the new high school. Correct. So okay. it opened in nineteen ninety. So this uh, high school had been moved out of for about four or five years. Uh, they were in the new one, which the current one now, um, and the uh, the. They burned down. Uh, now, I asked my wife about this. She had actually just left for Ole Miss. Uh, she was, I believe it was Rush. It was the week it happened, so she was not actually in town to watch it burn. You know, she was at Rush, literally freshman year, moving in. Uh, so she missed the, I guess, but they said it was, uh, obviously it was a massive fire, two-story, sure. brick building, you know, all, you know, everything inside. Um, that A lot of the firefighters that came were old students. Uh, that were coming, so they had a purpose to be there, trying to fight their, um, you know, trying to put the flame out on the, on the building where they attended school. It was interesting because it said in the article they got the DeSoto Times article from uh, August. I guess the next printing they had was August 18th. Uh, which is the, the this printing, uh, the Nesbitt and the Love Fire Departments were the first departments on the scene, the volunteer fire departments right. were the first departments on the scene to get there. Now, this is back in Hernando 25 years ago was still about 3,000 people. Uh, so they, you know, kind of, they were last on the scene, but just really battling, trying to put it out, uh, unable to save it. Uh, there was arson. They found six spots where fires have been set, wow. uh, which, you know, I, I don't know if it was former students or, you know, just, kids trying to be vandals it's just very very sad because if you have pictures there's pictures he sent me of when it was first built i think actually maybe about 10 years there's a picture from the 50s of a very beautiful building and then of course pictures of the of the building in flames uh on in the paper article that i have so that happened 27 years ago just a couple months ago uh was the anniversary of that burning down so uh again just we are you know, it seems that now 35 years later i think the next one is set to be 
what he said 20 August of 2025 yes yeah so 35 so they'll be in this high school 35 years of course it's converting to the middle school uh, when they leave it so hopefully nothing happens to it um, but uh, it just seems like you know progress continues growth continues but just really sad fact to you know a lot of people you know I wasn't here I mean I was 10 years later before I came sure. to Hernando so just a part of the history that we didn't get to see or I didn't get to see uh, and just a, a sad day for Hernando August 12th of 1994. Thank you Rob Long for the DeSoto County Fact of the Week. Derek I can picture my high school uh, my middle school or junior high we call it in Louisiana at least my hometown uh, our junior high is the former high school you know so I can imagine what that would be like if that were to burn because it's in the middle of town huge older uh, beautiful buildings uh, school buildings been around for a long long time so it would be a really really big deal should something happen to that so definitely a sad night there in the city of Fernando uh, for Hernando High School definitely so thanks again Rob for that fact of the week uh, nine to five Every Tuesday through Saturday, right there across from Bancorp South on Commerce Street. Stop by, visit. Admission is free. Bring your kids. Bring your family. Bring anybody that's visiting town. Show them about the county your, uh, your kids are growing up in. It's a really, really neat museum uh, as it continues to grow. Well, Derek, probably somebody that could tell us all about Hernando High School and probably that exact event would be Mr. Sam Lauderdale. Lauderdale Insurance Agency, your local state farm provider, is located at 11 West Commerce Street, directly across from the Hernando Post Office. Lauderdale Insurance is owned and operated by Sam Lauderdale, former alderman and longtime local resident of Hernando. His team specializes in insurance for life, auto, home, or business. Mr. Sam encourages you to compare coverage, service, and price, but feels confident Lauderdale Insurance Agency should be your insurance provider. Please call Sam, Sherry, Angie, or Jennifer at 429-5213. That's 429-5213. Or find more information on Facebook at Lauderdale Insurance Agency. Parents, are you considering making a schooling switch either next fall or possibly as soon as the semester break? The secret is out. North Point Christian is DeSoto County's most popular private school destination. 211 new students made the switch and became part of the North Point family this year, pushing their enrollment to record levels. On Friday, October 15th at 9.30 a.m., North Point will be hosting their first open house of this school year. This open house is specifically designed for new prospective families with children pre-K, 3, and up. School choice is often about feel, and they have designed an event to help you know if North Point is right for you. Families will have an opportunity to hear from the head of school, meet one-on-one with the upper and lower division leaders, learn about the affordability and value of a North Point education, observe their students and teachers while classes are in session, and tour of the buildings and grounds. Come see why families in three states, 28 cities, and 41 zip codes have made North Point DeSoto County's largest and most desirable Christ-centered college preparatory school. Reserve your spot today for Friday, October 15th at 9.30 a.m. by contacting Director of Admissions, Mrs. Sheila Sharon, at 662-349-5127. Again, 662-349-5127. And see if you and your family are ready to join the North Point family. Podcast brought to you by the Hernando Farmer's Market. The Hernando Farmer's Market brings together the best of local food, artistry, and the agricultural traditions of the Mid-South. It's a place to shop, it's a place to gather, but more importantly, it's a rare chance to experience the simplicity of a Mississippi small town. It is truly a fresh, local experience. For more information, you can call Gia Matheny at 662-449-9092. Again, that's 449-9092 for Ms. Gia Matheny, the Community Development Director. 
The Hernando Farmers Market kicks off on May 1st and runs every Saturday from May 1st through October. In 2020, they had over 70-plus vendors that comprised $379,000 in sales. That's almost $400,000 in sales, sales tax, benefiting the city of Fernando. The market offers healthy food options for people of all ages and income levels. And some of those vendors include Kendall Cattle Beef, Southern Cookie Queen, Georgia Ridge Farm and Cottonville Farms, Mama's Kitchen Cakes and Bakes, and also Pat's Homemade Pound Cakes. Just a number of different vendors every Saturday, May 1st through October, on the beautiful Hernando Square for the Hernando Farmer's Market. Well, Derek, we're going to visit a little bit about what's happened since our last show when it comes to football. But before we get there, let's catch everybody up on the volleyball action from our last show. Wonderful, great county tournament that happened over the weekend. Getting ready for the playoffs. Tell us about it. Matt, before we do that, we'll start with North Point. Uh, now, North Point actually has a game tonight. We're taping this on Monday. Has a game tonight. So when people hear this on Tuesday, we will not have that, uh, be able to cover that. So uh, they will host, they're hosting Lausanne uh, Monday night in the second round of the regional tournament. They got a bye for the tournament. That's right. Lady right. Trojans had a first round bye. And so they hope to get a victory in advance, trying to be one of the top two seeds to advance out of this regional tournament in order to make the state tournament. And so, of course, we look forward to reporting on how the Lady Trojans have done through Thursday uh, on the show that we record on Thursday for Friday. So, again, we'll be updating them. They have not played since our last show. And as long as they win, they continue to host. Correct. That's correct. Yes. Yeah. yeah, they are the one seed in this region. That's, That's correct. correct. All the public school, as you mentioned, all the public schools had a tournament up at DeSoto Central uh, that was held on Saturday. Uh, and the Lady Patriots uh, were one of the, obviously one of the teams competing in the county tournament that was held. The Lady Patriots ran through their matches, not dropping a set as they advanced to the finals versus DeSoto Central. Against DeSoto Central, they took the first set 25-18 to 18 and lost a close second set 20-25, to 25, pushing them to the third set for the first time in the tournament. In the third set, it was back and forth, but DeSoto Central prevailed in a hard fault. If you, of course, if you're a fan of knowing, of either one of these teams, you knew it was going to be hard fault. DeSoto County did take that final set 15-13, to 13, and Lewisburg finished in second place. It was DeSoto Central's seventh straight county tournament championship. And has no bearings on the playoffs. It was strictly a county tournament yep. they do at the, at the end of each year. But still – bragging rights, basically. Bragging rights, right. right. What a great – not No district game, straight wow, county yeah. tournament. Lewisburg was led by Rockard, with, who had 13 kills and four digs. Uh, Jada Bradley powered with eight kills. And Ella Grace Holloway added seven kills. Avery Thomas contributed with six kills. Hallie Stevens had nine digs and made 31 assists. And Sadie Bridgeforce finished with 10 digs in the final match. Kyle Reichard and Sadie Bridgeforth were named first team All-County, while Holly Stevens and Ella Grace Holloway were named the second team. Reichard was also named as DeSoto County Volleyball's most valuable player in the county. Wow. So congratulations to her. Absolutely. Lewisburg will face Oxford this week before starting their postseason play. So good luck to them. So they're playing, well, they're playing Oxford as a warm-up for the playoffs. That is correct. No bearings, whatever. We've heard on the podcast from one of our uh, volleyball um What's the informants, I informants. guess, uh, that said that, uh, the state title may run right through Oxford. So kind of a tough warm-up game, but uh, good luck to them. Well, I'm going to see how they do. And they yeah, just, know I mean, what, that should tell you. You, know, you. you hope that you play them again in the playoffs to, yeah. to move on. Let's play uh, no bearings, and then we'll start the playoffs. <laughs> That's the way to do it. Uh, also, Hernando com- uh, competed in the tournament, and they made a nice run themselves. Hernando lost the opening round match to Lewisburg 2 nothing, but came back and beat Lake Cormorant and Horn Lake in back-to-back matches 2 to nothing. They made it to the semifinals where they were beaten by eventual champion DeSoto Central 2-0. 
Raleigh Eister and Christian Cleveland made the first-team all-county teams, and Jaden Moore and A.C. Callum got honorable mention. Hernando will have two matches this week. Uh, Tuesday during school, so maybe when you're listening to this podcast, they will play uh, a during-school match at Lake Cormorant for a, a non-conference game, and then at home Wednesday in their final district game of the year against South Haven. The Lady Tigers need to beat the Lady Chargers to earn a trip to the postseason. So, you know, kind of riding on the line. If they win, they're in. If they win, they're in. I like our chances against South Haven. I think we do pretty well against South Haven in the past. I think they, they played them once, I believe, at home and beat them 3-0. Right. So I, I do believe that they hopefully should get that – I'm not saying it'll be 3-0 again, but hopefully they can win in five sets to move on to the postseason. Good luck to all the ladies that are out there playing volleyball, all the teams that we cover. North Point, good luck in your tournament uh, as you continue to roll on, hopefully, for, uh, into the state tournament. Good luck to Lewisburg. Good luck to Hernando. I, I can't say enough. We learned, Derek, last year we didn't talk about volleyball, but, man, it's a growing sport, a big sport in DeSoto County. I'm glad we could be a part of it this year as we continue to praise these young ladies as they continue to represent DeSoto County so well. Congratulations to those young people that were named first team all-county, first team all-tournament, and then all also the honorable mention. So just really good volleyball that happens right here in DeSoto County. So congratulations to all the young ladies. Let's turn our attention to the guys now. Let's turn our attention to the pigskin that happened this past Friday. And then before we're done, we're going to preview a game and we'll explain why. Derek, what you got from last Friday for the North Point Trojans? Start with North Point. We'll go ahead and do the preview at the end of that section so we don't kind of get kind of disjointed. Uh, North Point hosted their first district game this past Friday night against the St. George Griffins. North Point started strong taking their opening possession and mixing up good runs and short passes to matriculate the ball down the field until Jack Patterson hit Jack Jackson Thomason for a 38-yard TD. They then held the Griffins to three and out and had a chance to go up 14-0 on their second possession as they were driving into Griffin territory, but an errant pass by Jack Patterson saw the Griffins intercept it and take it to the house to tie the game up 7-7, where the score stayed uh, through the end of the first quarter. The Trojans scored twice in the second quarter on a one-year J.R. Henderson run and a Cooper McCoy field goal at the halftime buzzer to give the Trojans a 17-7 halftime lead. In the third quarter, the defense continued to step up, not allowing much from the Griffins as McCoy was constantly in the backfield from his defensive end position. McCoy had eight tackles for loss in the night, including four sacks and a blocked extra point. The Trojans were able to find the end zone in the third on a pass from Patterson to Darius Naylor for a 14-yard strike. In the fourth quarter, the Trojans tacked on three more on a 26-yard McCoy field goal. The Griffins did add on a late touchdown, but it was too little too late. The final score, Trojans 27 and the Griffins 13. Jack Patterson did not have his usual night. He was 14 for 20, but only for 140 yards and two TDs with one interception, with his favorite target being Thomason, who had six receptions for 90 yards and a touchdown. The Trojans turned the gr- to the ground game and amassed 217 yards on the ground, led by Jordan Fisher, who had 43 attempts, Matt, 43 wow, attempts, yeah. for 136 tough yards on the ground. The Trojans improved to 3-3, three and 1-0 three, and in district, and with this win, qualified for the playoffs. Done. Now, you may say, well, that's kind of ridiculous. Well, the perk for being only having four teams in your district, the top three make it to the playoffs. Uh, so the top three teams, so uh, basically you just have to be not be the worst team uh, and you can make the playoffs by beating St. George's, who's already lost to Lausanne. They do have to play ECS, but I believe ECS is going to beat them. Uh, they should be the last place team. So that, that does qualify North Point for the playoffs. They next play Thursday night in a non-district game against Division II AAA foe. St. Benedict. So St. Benedict is a larger school. Uh, the Eagles are uh, 0-7 on the season, 
0-1 in district, but two of those losses came by COVID forfeit. They have played two similar teams to North Point, losing 36 to nothing to Brighton, who North Point lost to 74 to 69, and losing to St. George's 27-16, who of course North Point just beat 27 to 13. I look for the Trojans to take care of business against the Eagles and move to fi- above 500 for the first time this season. I agree. I mean, we're going to go ahead and pick them. Go ahead well, and I mean, let's that? go ahead. I mean, Might as well, yeah. yeah. Look, I, th- I think uh, North Point offense is not an issue for North Point. No. It typically is not. And I feel good about it. Hosting the game, it's a bigger school, but that doesn't matter. I mean, they're 0 7. Uh, those kids might just kind of be ready to turn the page of basketball or ready they, for They got a young 25 year old coach. Uh, I think St. Benedict sounds like one of the schools where um, some of the parents think that football is too violent. They're choosing other sports. They're, oh putting, they're oh. choosing lacrosse. They're oh, choosing oh uh, other sports. So I, I don't, you know, I, again, this is this is all speculation. But I've, <laughs> we've heard from other schools that they're turning to, you know, kind of maybe their athletes are playing in, in other sports. Would we'll say that encouraged to play other sports by their parents. I would say maybe okay. Yes. Well, yeah. Again, these opinions are not uh, sponsored by the UTW podcast by Derek Big Lane. But that's very interesting, Derek. But so they may thrive in those other sports, lacrosse and that and field hockey so- and stuff field like hockey, soccer, soccer, stuff like that, that. Yeah. While the football team uh, struggles because some of the best athletes aren't out there. Very interesting. I look forward North Point to absolutely destroy St. Benedict's on Thursday night. I'm going to go ahead and say that uh, 40 point win for the Trojans Ooh, on Thursday. Big, big, 40 point okay, led okay. by number 62, the center. <laughs> it all starts up there in this. It all starts with Bo Big Lane, so uh, be sure and sh- uh, share this with him so it motivates him for that Thursday game. But I'm picking, I'm picking the North Point Trojans to win by over 40 points this coming Thursday. Good luck, boys. Uh, yeah, so game Thursday night. So we'll talk about this game next Tuesday. Correct. Uh, obviously, we won't know that the results till next Tuesday. Next, Center Hill came to the Berg for the Battle of the Branch against the Lewisburg Patriots and jumped out to a 20 to three halftime lead with the help of their starting quarterback being cleared to play his first game this year. He had been injured, uh, was cleared to play. It came as a surprise to the uh, Lewisburg coach. Uh, was not, they were not prepared for it. They had been preparing for uh, a certain you know, a younger quarterback to come in. This, this guy's a senior. Came in, was able to take back the starting spot because he got healthy. And uh, so basically the first half, the Patriots were not prepared. The uh, Mustangs jumped out to a 20-3 lead. Lewisburg did make the adjustments at halftime, started seeing what they were doing, kind of changed their, their defensive scheme, what they were going to stop and make the, uh, the new quarterback do. Uh, they did end up coming out and won the second half, wow. 14-7. to But, again, it was not enough as the Mustangs prevailed 27-17, to and they take home a trophy. Now, since 2019, the uh, winner of this game has taken home a trophy, and so the trophy will be going back to Center Hill uh, as the winner of the game. This was the first 6A game in Center Hill's history, uh, winning over the Patriots, and the Patriots are now on a three-game losing streak. Gunnar Gilmore threw for 87 yards and a touchdown, and Miles Smith had 66 yards rushing and a touchdown for the Patriots. They fall to 1-4, 0-2 in district play, and they will next play at Hernando this Friday for Hernando's homecoming game. That is correct. Hernando homecoming coming up. What's, what's the trophy? Did you, do you know what that is? Uh, it was it's called the Battle of the Branch. I didn't actually – I couldn't really see it. Okay, uh, Battle of the Branch. Yeah, okay. so I will have to turn to our, uh, our guys at OB, OB Pod. Pod. Yeah, Get, tune into the OB Pod. They, they're gonna, they'll probably tell you a little bit more about the trophy than we can. But, uh, wow, so, yeah, Center Hill rolls in and, and, and beats Lewisburg, and then that leads us into our next game, Derek, the Hernando Tigers. Before we talk about homecoming, of course, coming up this Friday, uh, tell us about what they did this past Friday, traveling up 55 right there to play the Chargers of South Haven. They did. They traveled to South Haven trying to get that first district win, and this was a hard-fought defensive game. Now, I, you know, I, I called that her, uh, South Haven was going to win 35-28. Did not go that way. Yeah, this not was a lot a, of scoring. 
Not allowed to score a hard fault defensive game. Uh, my prediction for the margin of victory is correct. Uh, with but being seven, the Chargers did win 16 to nine. South Haven started the scoring after recovering a muffed punt and then converted the two point conversion to go up eight nothing. Hernando scored on a TD run, but the extra point was blocked, and the score remained 8-6 until halftime. So, again, a very tough uh, first half after the, the, the initial scoring. South Haven came out in the second half and scored again on a long drive and converted their second two-point conversion to take a 16-6 lead. Hernando did get a field goal in the fourth to pull within seven, but that, that is how the game would end, again, 16-9. The Tigers fall to 1-5, 0-2 in district. Hernando now turns to Lewisburg this week as part of their homecoming game. They look to have fun this week, celebrating with, the, of course, the dress-up days. You're going to sure. have the parade. And, but they also hope to be celebrating on the field Friday night with their first district one of the year. This will be the one game, the only game, that we preview on our Friday show since North Point will have already played, and they're playing <laughs> exactly. each other. So, wow, that's very interesting. But, look, uh, yeah, you're right, Derek. It is homecoming for the uh, Hernando Tigers. My daughter was, again, blessed enough to make the uh, senior, be a senior maid uh, there for the uh, Hernando High School. Really, really excited and, and happy for her. I know she's very, very um, – Honored to uh, represent our senior class for sure. Come out to the parade if you can hear our voice. Plan on the parade. Hopefully beautiful weather. Come out, see the young ladies on their convertibles, see the band, all that kind of stuff. Just all the pageantry that goes with a homecoming court, homecoming game in a beautiful, awesome place like Matt, Hernando. What, what time does that start? I want to say it's 630. Uh, I could be wrong, so please look on Facebook. It may be 6 o'clock. Lord knows it'll probably be all over Hernando Happenings and stuff like that. But definitely come out for the parade. Going to be the usual route uh, going down Commerce Street. It's just, you know, I mean, again, if the weather's nice, no reason to not come out and see the beautiful, uh, you know, seniors and freshmen and sophomores, maids, all that kind of stuff. Um, the floats. Well, all, the, the, all the youth groups that come in. You know, like like right. all the, I think the, the, you know, the dance studio, right, they sure. have their yep. uh, children on a float. Some of the churches, you know, kids yep. on floats. The, the football, the young football Haifa. Yep. Teams usually on float, so it's just a great thing. I hate to miss it. You know, we use this is something we usually love to go to, even though my kids don't go to Hernando. However, with a game now being on Thursday night, it was supposed to be our right. bye week. Uh, we had to get a game to replace the, the, the bye week that we took back in September. And so, unfortunately, we won't be able to make it. But I'm, I know it's going to be a beautiful night and yep. just a, a, a beautiful parade. Well, and don't forget, Derek, the uh, classes have their, per, their floats. Right. They've been working for three or four weeks on that. Some really, really neat fl uh, floats. Uh, I'll, I'll tease them there. I think you'll be uh, – the kids will like the floats. I'll just say that. If you have young children, bring them out to look at the floats. I think it will be right uh, up their alley. So, definitely something to look at this coming Thursday for the Hernando uh, Parade. Uh, as far as the game goes with South Haven, Derek, like you mentioned, uh, not a very, not a lot of scoring. Hernandez really struggling to get the ball in the end zone. It's just kind of a a, a tough, um, you know, road to hoe right now for Hernando when it comes to uh, you know scoring points. But look, Lewisburg kind of struggling maybe the uh, maybe the medicine that Hernando Tigers need we'll talk about more on our Friday show that we're going to record again Thursday before the parade so Derek and myself can enjoy uh, just being parents that night Derek I think That's it's right. going to be a lot of Looking fun to be a parent uh, for sure well if you enjoy what we do each and every week here at the UTW podcast find us on Facebook at UTW podcast on Instagram at UTW podcast and on Twitter at UTW pod Wherever you can hear our voice, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, whatever you're using to listen to the UTW Podcast, give us a five-star review. Give us that five-star review so we can continue to move up when it comes to local podcasts. We've mentioned a couple times on our show, Find OB Pod simply stands for Olive Branch OB Pod. They cover the eastern side of DeSoto County, Center Hill, Lewisburg, and Olive Branch High Schools, especially when it comes to their football coverage. OB Pod, look them up. 
Well, Derek, hope you have a great week. Look forward to visiting with you again, uh, breaking down the Auburn meeting that happens tonight. If you're hearing our voice tonight, definitely looking forward to breaking that down, uh, what they do when it comes to the Auburn meeting tonight. Well, if there's nothing else, I'm Matt. And I'm Derek. Join us next time under the water tower. This is where we dropped off a pretty little girl.